Today I have with me Eric Niehaus. Eric is a partner in a startup called Therapy Space, which provides office space dedicated to mental health professionals. Before that, he spent eight years in commercial banking and portfolio management. And also, with his wife, renovates properties part-time while living in them and is currently remodeling their third house. He also enjoys to write and perform in stand-up comedy. So if you're ever in the Dallas area, maybe you could catch him. So let's get the conversation started here, Eric. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your initial start in real estate and how you got started with your first purchase and how that process went? Yes, of course. And let me start by just saying thanks for having me. Um, I'll be completely honest. We bought a house because we needed a yard for our dog. I can't believe I'm saying that, but we found where we had a great Dallas apartment uptown, um, but we had adopted this dog. He needed space. So we found this little half duplex in East Dallas for next to nothing. It needed a new everything. Um, it cost roughly a third of the amount of the home we, we were approved for. And I say that just to notate, we started small, so we didn't have to overextend ourselves uh, we lived in it and flipped it. It took us uh, almost four years, and then we rented it out. We still rent it out today. Um, our second one was another North Dallas home. Um, that one took us about half the time. So just from what we learned from the first one, applying that to the second one. Uh, but we did sell that one so we could get a cash out to, to start a therapy space and... Uh, now we're doing our third property here in Richardson, uh, which is where you just recently moved. So it's, it's great to have you nearby. Yeah. So you said you're, you're renting that first property still. How much are you cash flowing on that each month? Again, we got such a good deal because we lucked out with the market. So we bought it in 2012 um, for less than $100,000. So it was a foreclosure as is, take it or leave it. And so um, the monthly payment, you know, is $600, $650 all in after everything. Um, we put probably 40 or 50 into it of our own money, just saving up, doing room by room. Um, so our all in was roughly 135 Um and now we rent it out for twenty two hundred a month. So I guess that's fifteen hundred. You know, about fifteen hundred a month cash flow. Okay, perfect. And uh, why don't we take a step back and just talk from a high level? What is therapy space, and why you needed to do a, a refi to have capital? And well, first, how much did you get from that refinance and to, to put into therapy space? And then tell us about therapy space. Yeah, we, um, because we had saved up so much money and put it into our first rental, our second one, we did the same thing. And our, our capital was just so concentrated into, into the houses. And so it, it, you know, there were a few other factors involved as well. Um, we didn't really love that area as much as we loved our East Dallas house, um, and we wanted to be a part of therapy space whenever that opportunity came. And so 
we had to sell it. We probably made roughly 90 to a hundred K on that flip. Um, and then that allowed us to buy, buy our partner equity ship into, um, into therapy space. And let me stop there. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me, let me kind of backtrack a little bit here. So we, we found Flagstone. We renovated that over the course of two years. That was our second house in North Dallas. And we needed a cash out because we were so concentrated. Our funds were so concentrated into, into the houses that we were doing. Um, and we needed a cash out to, to join therapy space, to become partners um, in that business. We just really liked that idea. And so we, you know, we probably made 90 to hundred K just on flipping it over the course of a couple of years. But uh, the other value of that, uh, of living in and flipping a home is that you can sell it as a homestead, which means there's no capital gains tax on that money. So um, whatever you sell it for, for a profit, you walk away with it. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting strategy that I don't hear everybody employing, but I think is a good angle to approach it. So why don't we go in a little bit more detail about therapy space and what it is and how you came across it and got involved? Yeah, so I won't take any credit uh, for the idea, but, you know, therapy space, it's a turnkey office space dedicated to mental health practitioners on a flexible lease. So if you've heard of the WeWorks or the Regis's, um, we're like them in that we're shared office space, but we're distinct in that we only lease to therapists, psychologists, counselors. Uh, so a very niche product uh, and service we offer. A therapist can't really thrive at a WeWork. It lacks the confidential- confidentiality aspect that we provide. There are... HIPAA filing requirements uh, that they have to meet uh, to have um, a practice that that meets the ethical guidelines. And so we say you can start small. You can take one day a week. You can start your private practice for about 50 bucks a day and you get access to everything. Uh, Wi-Fi, internet, supplies. It's completely turnkey. We have West Elm furnishings, the couch, the chairs. So we say bring your laptop and focus on your client. So, and we'll, we'll grow with them. So uh, we will, uh, uh, if they need to add a day as their lease goes on, we can add a day um, as, the, as their practice grows and as their clients grow. So uh, the issue therapists have is they can join an agency and they have to pay all this money back to their parent company, or they can go out on their own and sign some five-year commercial lease and hope everything works out. But, but with us, you can just start small uh, for, for a couple hundred bucks a month, and then uh, you can build your own practice. Okay. And they can just pick and choose, like you said, uh, based on their own um, patient workflow in terms of how many days they need to commit to each week. Yeah, exactly. So they might, let's say they have a traditional work schedule Monday through Friday. Well, they can come to us and they can say, Hey, let me take a Saturday and maybe let me take an evening during the week. 
And so in those two time blocks, they can start building their clientele. And at 50 bucks a day, they're profitable with their first client. So we've already kind of thought about how to incentivize it to where everybody wins. So as soon as they secure that first Saturday client, every client they add after that, well, that's cash flow. And so that is going to provide a bridge for them until they are ready to quit wherever they're at to make that full-time jump for their own practice. Okay. So that's usually the, the target audience is these people that are interested in starting their own practice, but kind of under the, uh, a different roof, under a different umbrella for a more established firm. And then they're trying to branch yeah, off. Exactly. Okay. And how again did you get involved in therapy space? Yeah. So our founder started this in Nashville. Um, they had two locations. Uh, they essentially leased extra space after they graduated so they could sublease it to their friends to make a little extra money. And next thing you know, they were waitlisted. And so, um, I just did my best to be a part of it, you know, whenever I cross paths with them and it's kind of a six degrees of separation story um, that I'll try to spare you the, the details on it. But whenever we cross paths, we, we really thought our vision was identical in terms of the trajectory of this idea and where it could go. I had a background in finance and financial analysis and understanding strengths and weaknesses and projections. And I really thought this model was, was very strong. And so uh, they really proved the model out and the markets told us that there's a need for it. And so I'm just trying to help us, help us grow it as much as we can. Okay. And how many locations do you have right now? We have, 10 locations across five states. Okay. Which, which states are those? So Texas, Nashville, Michigan. Nashville's a state. I mean, Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Good one. So you get Texas, Tennessee, Texas, Tennessee, Michigan, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Sorry. And then, um, there's number five. Oh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Very nice. So since you're spread out across these different geographic areas, how do you really determine whether the Atlanta market or the Philly market or any of these markets are really suitable and you think that the therapy space model is going to work there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have a ton of data available today, all the numbers. We have a ton of research and so forth. But um, we, we think it's kind of a, a, a look and a feel of a sub-market. Um, we're really passionate about mental health, but we believe its value allows us to really expand anywhere in the U.S. And so um, you got to couple that with also finding great people in the local markets that we can trust to run and manage the offices. Uh, so we have a great team of local partners on the ground that, that really help us make this happen. Um, and so uh, we think, we think that the, the market needs it so much that 
there's not particularly an area we can't go. So it's more about just finding the people to help us launch it. Okay. And how do you find those people? You just place a job posting somewhere or how do you know? It's that? really our network, friends of friends, people in the industry um, that are interested in starting their own practice uh, but, but it's really been a mix of folks, um, in the industry that knew one of the, that have known one of the partners that we've trusted and reached out to and said, Hey, you know, we think this would work really great. And in Philadelphia, would you help us kind of launch this idea? And, um, and then they get to be a part of the business. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Are they also a tenant there? These managers? They can't. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. can be. We'll give them a, a great, obviously a great deal in, in terms of making sure that they're taken care of for their clientele as well. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of the times they are just users of the space. So it's, there's some synergies there in terms of they're using the space so they, they can easily manage it and run it as well. Okay. And do they also get compensated for their time or given equity? Or yeah, anything? they get, or, uh, that work? they're going to get, uh, as their local, I guess the best way to sum it up is as their, um, local, local office grows, um, the more it's going to benefit them, uh, with therapy space and they're going to get the opportunity to grow that market as much as that market will allow. Okay, but what's the upside for them? Is it just basically free rent? Yeah, it's a mix of, of rent equity? and then a percentage of revenues. So is this primarily a bootstrap business or have you raised some capital to start scaling oh, yes. it? Or we are like? bootstrapped. You know, the great thing for us is that each office has a runway period of less than a year. And so we believe it takes an office less than a year to become profitable. So that, that provides us some time. We don't feel like we just have to absolutely rush out and raise capital on this date to be successful. So, and then you got to factor in what's going on today with the coronavirus. And so we're, we're kind of being patient in that regard. We don't, we don't have to just run out and raise capital, but you know, it's something that we've discussed and, and we will at some point, I think uh, just to be, just to be where we want to be and to put as many offices, uh, to open as many offices as we would like. Okay. That makes sense. And I guess it's primarily CapEx to, to purchase furniture and other things up front to start a new location, or is there other things that go along with that? Or how's that? That's work? pretty interesting because to, to start a, a commercial lease, you'd be surprised. A lot of places just want a security deposit equal to one month's rent plus your first month's rent payment, you know? And so from there, yeah, it's, it's a lot of the furnishings. You get a lot of the one-time upfront costs. And, and it's not like that with every landlord. You might have some landlords who want you to pitch in with some of the TI. The Negotiating the TI is always a an important detail, uh, you want to make sure that you can find us an office space where the landlord's going to cover most of that cost because if they don't, well, that's just added on to all of your upfront costs to starting this business. And so you have to go out, you got to furnish these offices, and you may not have anybody on the rent roll yet. So you're paying rent right away. You're hoping to negotiate a few free months of rent up front, but 
you're essentially paying you're paying rent from day one. You don't have anybody on the rent roll and you have the startup costs, but the leases are generally three, five or seven years. And the longer you sign, the the friendlier the landlords are in terms of giving you capital to finish the space from a TI perspective uh, to build it out as much as you would like. Okay. That makes sense. Cause they know you're going to be there as well. And so it's going to be worth it for them to invest yes, in you. Yes. So you know, that's a locked in tenant for a long time. So they're going to, you know, if the numbers make sense, they're going to be willing to, to provide more capital to you up front. How much do they, are they usually willing to invest? It's, it really, it changes from landlord to landlord, but you might have some kind of in the 50,000 range all the way up to the 120,000 range. And so we try to find space that's already suitable to our model. So very efficient, a lot of offices. So that way we don't have to do a ton of TI and it's a win-win for everybody because the landlord doesn't have to stroke this big check. And then we can make sure that we absolutely get everything we need covered. And so we, we have a lot of due diligence on that side, looking for floor plans that match what we need already. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So with the, the coronavirus, as of this recording, we're in the middle of May. So things are obviously still being affected. So how is, has your business been affected by all of this, with the quarantines and lockdowns and shelters in place? Well, mil- mental health is considered an essential business. And so we need to continue to provide a high level of service to, to our practitioners and, and the clients that they're seeing. Um, we want to ensure proper controls um, and operate for CDC guidelines, which are changing. Seems like we're getting new information on that topic every day. But, but we're an essential business, mental health. Uh, we feel like it's, it's the most important industry that's not being talked about right now. But there's also telehealth is a temporary solution for our practitioners. If they want to pursue that route temporarily, they can. But most of the time, uh, therapists, psychologists, they're going to want a formal office setting. And so there's been a few, there's been a, a small niche of folks that are just practicing from home. Uh, but the HIPAA requirements means that um, they're expected to practice in an office space you know, not at home, not at a Starbucks or anything like that. Okay. So they've been able to still go to the office locations? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Now they, they might do the telehealth from, from their laptop in the office. But, um, but yeah, our, we're an essential business, and so we're still open, and we're still just continuing to provide that high level of service. Okay. So what do you think is the kind of the plan over the next one to three years for growing this business? Oh, that's a good question. I think especially considering the aforementioned subject of, of COVID-19, but um, we'll, we'll likely be a bit more conservative uh, with everything going on today um, as opposed to what we thought we would do six months ago. Uh, but like I mentioned, we have 10 locations nationwide. I would hope to add at least another 10. And I, th- I just think we're going to lean conservative for the next year or so, but, but we're just trying to stay optimistic that the market will progress. And again, we, we really believe in the industry of, of mental health. And so we, we don't think face-to-face mental health is going anywhere. 
Okay. Do you know there's been some apps uh, through my firm? They offer ginger. It's a interesting mental health support, I guess, over apps. So do you all ever notice some competition from those? I feel like it's a you know, blossoming phone app. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. I kind of view that as the same way I would view higher education. So there's a ton of online colleges. There's a ton of online degrees you can get. But I think to get the most out of your mental health and to, to kind of grow from that perspective is, is going to be meeting folks face to face. Most of the therapists who have been using the telehealth during this time, they feel like they can't build the same rapport with their clients as they could face to face. And so I would absolutely agree. I think I think the, the market is always going to be there for telehealth, but we do believe that nothing can truly replace face-to-face uh, mental health discussions and the value that you can get from that. So what do you feel some of the most valuable lessons you've learned up to this point have been like, going through all of the therapy space in your houses? You know, I think one thing is um, anything can be fixed. And a lot of folks um, look at a property and it's easy to see what's in front of you, all of the all of the bad things that are sitting there and the dollar signs, but um, it's just stuff and things can be updated. Things can be corrected. And, you know, the person who's willing to put in the most sweat equity is likely the one that's going to win the most actual equity when it's all said and done. And so I think that's, that's one thing I like to focus on. Um, I also think starting small is a great way to get into it. You don't have to leverage up overnight. You don't have to overextend yourself in any way. I think Texas is a market to where you can, you can start small, you can, you can start low and then kind of work your way up and, and you'll learn as you do that as well. And, um, and I also think that, um, it's important to be very patient when pursuing properties, but when you when you find the one, I think it's critical that you be very aggressive because that's the one. That's the one you've spent a lot of time looking. You you've been uh, spending time doing due diligence on the numbers, and so um, you don't want to waste a lot of time when you do find the one. Uh, you you want to go after it and be aggressive. Okay. That makes less sense. In yeah, terms of the, the yeah, opportunity, exactly. Right? Just a just a what single else? family home. Um, you know, it, when it when it meets your criteria, um, it, it's important to, you know, be patient up until that one comes. But when that one does come, take advantage of it. Okay, that makes sense. So, what are some of the best ways for our listeners to get in touch with? Sure. Yeah, reach out to um, Eric. Uh, E-R-I-C dot Niehouse in as in November, I-E-H-A-U-S at live, L-I-V-E dot com. Um, and I always, always like to end with that I enjoy talking and discussing real estate and or therapy space. They both really are my passion. So anyone that wants to talk that, feel free to reach out. My wife, Mindy, is a realtor here in Dallas as well. So we we just really enjoy these subjects and, and would be happy to help anyone. 
Okay, perfect. Well, thanks again for taking the time to speak with me. I think it was really interesting and helpful to hear how you've created your own version of house hacking by basically remodeling these properties as you live in them and then selling them after two years as a homestead so that you can avoid the capital gains tax. And uh, another thing I thought was interesting was the, the longer the commercial lease, the more the landlord is willing to invest in those tenant improvements, which seems like it could save you a significant amount of capital, you know, 50 to 120,000 even. So I think that's always something good to keep in mind and also, you know, starting small and just not trying to do everything overnight and just putting in the sweat equity. Sometimes grinding it out is the right way to go, but obviously you got to work smart exactly. as well. Not exactly. Just hard, so. <laughs> uh, and that's why I say, I think there's many ways to win. You know, it's about finding the one that speaks to you and leverages your skill set, what you have going on in your life right now. And, um, and, and just getting started. Yeah, definitely. And one other thing that we discussed the other day that I found really interesting is how you said that people don't really need to start everything themselves and be the person who originated the idea. So for therapy space, like you said, it wasn't your initial idea, but you're still able to partner with them and, you know, really grow the business. And I think that's something valuable. Everyone should keep in mind that they don't have to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates and be geniuses and be the next billionaires. We all get so gung-ho on on inventing something and becoming the number one person with a startup. And I just, I understand that I do, but you know, when this idea was presented to me, I just, I did everything I could to be a part of it because, you know, I knew where it would, where it would go, or I believed in where it would go. And I knew that even just being the number three or number four guy that it would still work out very well to me. So I would say that as a means to, to capture opportunities you know, there might be a situation where you see a really good idea and you could be a part of it, but you think, oh, well, it's not my idea. So what can I do? But you can always add value to people. And so find ways to add value. And, and that's what I try to do with therapy space. And so I've been very fortunate to be a part of it for the past couple of years. And so, yeah, that was really something I took from, from Gary V that it's okay not to be the CEO of a startup can be the three or four guy and and if it does well uh you're gonna be okay okay perfect 